Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Father, we thank you. We are grateful because we can continue what you started with your children. And our prayer, Lord, as always, is that you would open our eyes, transform us, help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we have been looking at the subject of spiritual growth. Trying to prove that Sunday church service alone is not enough. It cannot feed you spiritually for a whole week. That you need to put certain things in place which will work for your growth. You know, we are all crazy about balanced diet now. It took our scientists and nutrition experts some time to find out which uh, what nutrients we need and how much of each we need. When to take your vegetables and fruits, and whether your eggs should be hard-boiled or soft-boiled, how much cereal, how much carbohydrates, which kinds of fats, and if you see my wife trying to balance these things daily, you would appreciate how difficult it is to keep your physical body in shape for the hundred years that we are here on earth. Now, spiritually too, you need balanced diet. For your growth, you need to identify the pillars and the nutrients you need to keep you in shape spiritually and to keep you growing. Because we have been able to prove that spiritual growth is a process. And it is not automatic. If you don't make the necessary inputs, it doesn't happen. Even though it's God who gives the increase. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Paul must plant, Apollos must water, before God gives the increase. If you plant cassava, God will give increase to cassava. If you plant yam, God will give increase to yam. Galatians chapter 6, or verse 6, verse 7 and 8. He says, God is not mocked. 
Don't be deceived. What a man sows, that he will reap. So our lives actually require and demand not only physical input, but spiritual input. So Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we have identified two of the main pillars. Number one is the word of God. Number two is prayer, fasting, and solitude. Today, I want to take you through three of them. And because I have already killed most of the time, I am forced to rush, but uh, it's familiar ground. So, number three factor in your spiritual growth is the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, all of us are familiar with the Trinity. We believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Matthew 28, 19, 20 says, Go, but, uh, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all I have commanded you. I am with you to the close of the age. But the least known person of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. We don't know Him. We don't take time to, <coughs> to fellowship with Him. We neglect Him and His gifts. We quench the Spirit. <coughs> we do everything to, to grieve and annoy Him. But you have to understand that your Christian life is built on the Holy Spirit. Now, let me frighten you a little. In Matthew 12, 31 and 32, Jesus says, Every sin against God the Father and Jesus will be forgiven men. But the sin and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this world or the world to come. He is the most dangerous person in the Trinity. Matthew 12, 31 and 32. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, somebody, this is Jesus speaking. Somebody as dangerous as the Holy Spirit, rather, we don't even take time to know Him. Now, you have to understand that even Jesus Himself, His birth was by the Holy Spirit. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 33 
all the way to 35. Not only that, when Jesus was baptized, heaven opened. And Matthew 3, 16 and 17 says, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. And you are asking, ah, this man, he was born of the Holy Spirit. Why does he need Holy Spirit again? Acts 10, 38 says, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Luke 4, 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 18, Jesus' manifesto, he said that <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, I cast out evil spirits by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died, it was the Holy Spirit who raised him from the dead. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. So, here we have a case where our Lord Jesus himself fellowshiped, was born of the Spirit, anointed of the Spirit, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. He ministered, cast out demons by the Spirit. His death and resurrection was by the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says, Jesus offered himself to God as a sacrifice by the eternal Spirit. And he told us, Wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Luke 24, verse 49. My Father will send the promise of the Spirit upon you. He said in Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 8, that John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 says that the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon the Messiah. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of God. Even Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit. What makes you Christian think that you can manage without the Holy Spirit? And our biggest problem sometimes is we tend to think that certain people need the Holy Spirit. We don't. You cannot be born again except by the Holy Spirit. According to John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Anyone, anything which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. 
Anything which is born of the flesh is flesh. But because conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment is from the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 from verse 8 to 11. The job of the Holy Spirit is to prove to you that you are a sinner. Him, but you know Him because He is with you and He will be in you. Many of us carry the Holy Spirit as better. We, we don't need Him really. It's only once a while that you feel that, Oh, Holy Spirit, are you there? Okay, okay, that's alright. You see? But Jesus knows that you need Him. He said in John 6, 63, The words I speak to you, they are spirit, they are life. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh doesn't profit anything. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, when he comes, he will teach you all things. And he will, he will bring to your remembrance the things that I have said to you. The job of the Holy Spirit is to take you to the university of the spiritual life. Jesus said in John 16, verse 12 and 13, I have many things to say to you. You cannot bear them. But when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. What he hears, that's what he will speak. He will show you things to come. When you take the Bible, who opens your eyes and understanding to understand the Bible? You see? Because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, 21 says, No prophecy of Scripture is of any man's private interpretation. Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke. So, Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 43 and 44, that David spoke by the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 16. Peter said, the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David, saying, Acts 28, verse 26, the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of Isaiah, saying, the person who wrote the Bible is the, is the Holy Spirit. And if you don't work with him, you will read your Bible, you don't understand it. So the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24:32, they said, Did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke with us on the way? You take the Bible, it's boring. You take the Bible, you are sleeping. You take the Bible, you can't remember what you have read. Why? The Spirit of God must burn the Bible onto your heart. 2 Corinthians 3.3 3. He says that it's the Spirit who engraves the Word of God on our hearts to fulfill what God said in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 and 11 that this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel in those days. I will write my laws on their heart. I will put it in their minds. And no one will tell his neighbor know the Lord. And it is the Holy Spirit who helps you to obey the Bible. Ezekiel 36 verse 26. He says, I will put my spirit within them and cause them to walk according to my statutes and my judgments. It is the Holy Spirit who changes you into the character of Jesus. 
Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, we all, with unveiled face, beholding us in the mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another by the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who helps you to pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. He says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. The Spirit helps our infirmities with groans which cannot be uttered. He takes up intercession on our behalf. And he who searches the, the mind, the heart, knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Your prayer life is trembled by the Holy Spirit. Jude verse 20. He says, pray in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Pray, pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. It's the Holy Spirit who helps your prayer life. You pray more, you pray deeper, you pray in tongues, you pray in a language, speaking mysteries to God, you sing in the Spirit, your spirit prays because it is energized by the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit more than you think. And it's not only for the Word of God and prayer. Evangelism. Why are people not able to preach? Eh? Your own mother, your own cousin, you can't preach. Why? You lack boldness. You see? So, Acts chapter 4, verse 30-31, he says, when they prayed, the place was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he says that the Holy Spirit, he strengthens our inner man. So that Christ may dwell within us. So what the Holy Spirit does is that He gives you boldness. He gives you courage. He gives you the words to speak when you are evangelizing. He takes your words and then He makes them sharp like the, a, a, a sword to pierce the person you are evangelizing. He is the one who helps you. You lay hands on the, a, a, a sick person, pray, and the person is healed. It's from the Holy Spirit. You need him. What about church? Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, goodness, faith, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Eh? He is here in the church, Mponi. You see? He is here, Mponi. So you can see that if we have more of the Holy Spirit, more of the fruit of the Spirit, the church will be one body, one heart, one soul. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit can be seen in everyone. Nobody is going to say, oh, for me, I am choleric, so I get angry quickly. Oh, for me, I'm sanguine. That's why, no, we are all filled with the Spirit. We are manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Anyway, what about spiritual warfare? Without the Holy Spirit, how can we do spiritual warfare? You see? The Bible says we should take the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6, 17, which is the Word of God. It is the Holy Spirit who fights Satan. You are not seeing him. But 
Having said that, I want to move on to the next pillar. So, what I mean is, you need daily to demonstrate the Holy, to the Holy Spirit that you are hungry and thirsty for Him. You need Him. You need Him in the office. You need Him when you are dealing with your wife or your husband. You need the Holy Spirit when you are talking to your son or your daughter. You need the Holy Spirit when you are driving. You need the Holy Spirit even in your thoughts. You need the Holy Spirit in the kitchen. You need the Holy Spirit when you are in the bathroom. When you want to invest, you need the Holy Spirit. The kinds of exercises you exercise when you go for keep fit, you need the Holy Spirit. You see, the other time one lady went for keep fit, a car knocked her down and killed her on, on the spot. You need the Holy Spirit every day. And you must demonstrate to Him that you need Him. He is valuable. He is precious. Then He will be your friend. And grow you. Yes. Now I want to take the next pillar, which is the character of Jesus Christ and holiness and righteousness. You see, as a human being, we must all admit that we have fallen. In Genesis 6, 5 and 6, it says, God saw that every imagination of the thoughts of man was only evil continually. In Jeremiah 17, 9 says, there is none, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 13, 22, he says, can a leopard change his spots or an Ethiopian his skin? Then you who are accustomed to do evil, you can change and do good. You see, the human, uh, uh, Romans 3.23, it says that there is no difference. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 7 from verse 14 all the way to 21. Paul was arguing that the good I want to do, I'm not able to do. The evil I don't want to do, I find myself doing. So I know it's not I, it's sin dwelling in me. Who, can, who will deliver me from this body of sin? As a result... You need help. You need help with your character. You see, you said you were kind, but under pressure, you see that you are no longer kind. You said you are a jovial person, but under pressure, you become bitter. Two or three people treat you badly in life, and you see that even when you go to pray, you are filled with bitterness. And you begin to curse. And it's the same. You thought you were a very gentle person and humble. But when you meet people and they, they, they trouble you enough, the snake in you rises up. And they, you show them your true colors. Now let's leave the Bible. I will show you. I answer fire with fire. So, the, it is such that your character needs transformation. You can't patch up your character. You can't. And so what God has done is that Romans chapter 6 verse 6 He says, we were, our old man was crucified with Christ. Romans 6, 3 and 4 He says, we died with Jesus. We were crucified with Him. We were buried together with Jesus in water during baptism. Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians 2, verse 5 and 6, he says, We were made alive together with Jesus. 
We were raised together with Jesus. We are seated together with Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, God's Holy Spirit comes to live in you to change your character to become like Jesus. And that work is always noticeable. After being, being a Christian for many years, you agree with me that it's not coming to church, giving money, singing in the choir, uh, what else? Going to funerals and weddings and uh, child dedications. It's not that which makes you grow spiritually. You can be doing that all your life, but your character will still be the same. The anger is still there, it doesn't go. The small, small lies are still there. Pornography is still there. So, what causes a man to change his character? The Spirit of God. So, our outward man is perishing. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, he says our inward man is being renewed day by day. There is a change happening. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says you are of God. You have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. And what he does is that he begins to transform you, to give you a new outlook. Colossians 1.27 Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. You know, this People acknowledge, they found out that you can't change yourself. That's the main difference between Islam and Christianity. Islam says, try, pray five times, and move, do uh, good works, visit Mecca, do, oh, you, it will be alright. On that day, when they weigh your good things against your bad things, you will go to paradise. Christianity says, no, 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 no. You can't change yourself. You are bad beyond repair. You need a new heart and a new spirit. You need God's spirit in your inner man. You need a transformation to become a new creation. A new man. You must put off the old man. And the struggle to be holy, to be righteous, is a pursuit because there is a hunger and death within you that causes you to keep moving forward. This is why character change is so critical. Otherwise, you'll be a Christian, but you'll be behaving like the devil. And when people meet you, you say, I'm born again by his grace. And they turn around and, and they, they don't see what grace is making you like that. That's it. So, you need to work on your character. And it is a daily issue. 
there are things we call besetting sins. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says, being compassed or surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and besetting sin and run with patient endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he seated at the right hand of God. You have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of your blood. Verse 4. So, there are besetting sins which trouble me. There are besetting sins which trouble you. Even before I became a Christian, I was never drinking alcohol. I never smoked. Before becoming a Christian. Now you can pack cigarettes in this room. I will sleep here and get up. I don't even notice. I'm not tempted because it's not my weakness. But there is somebody, immediately he comes, then he says, hey, who, who is tempting me here? Hey, who has put cigarettes? Hey, people shouldn't be doing that in this rich church. They are spoiling the church for us. You see, but even though I am not tempted by that, I used to be tempted by girls. So even if a lady is reading the news, my mind is able to strip her naked as she is reading the news. When I became, I, 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 I became born again, and I started working on lust after girls, I asked myself, God sees women having their bath every day. Do you know? God sees women having their bath every day. And he does not move to come and sleep with them. Therefore, something must be wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. Why can't I just see a lady and pass by? So, mm, your temptation... It's not God's temptation. James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15 says, When you are tempted, don't say God is tempting you. God doesn't tempt anybody. He cannot be tempted with evil. It's your own lust which is drawing you. So because of that, you need to work on it. Nobody will do that homework for you because your sins are different from my sins. Your besetting sins and weights are different from mine. Therefore, nobody is going to do the homework for you. You need to take your, your sword and your buckler and take your battle axe and go against your besetting sins and weights and work on your character. And you are going to do that from now until they bury you. That is what spiritual growth is all about. Because if we have a bucket and it's leaking in only one place, whatever water you fetch in it will leak. So you don't steal, you don't kill, but you tell small, small lies. Finish. That's enough. Everything on you will leak. And one day, the small, small lies will be amplified. And everybody all over the world will see what a liar you are. And you said, oh, it was only a small lie. Yes. But with that, nobody wants to trust you again. Therefore, it's your duty to work on your character. And that's the fourth pillar. 
Now, even though I'm rushing, I want to stop at the fifth pillar. The fifth pillar which I want to introduce today is what we call facing life's challenges. Facing life's challenges. This life has been calculated such that there is a devil who harasses you day and night. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. He says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom to devour. But it's not only Satan who opposes you, there are evil men and women in this world. Who's, who make it their job to resist you, to frustrate you, to make life difficult for you? Then there are circumstances you meet at work, at school, at home. You see? And you notice that, hey, 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 hey. This thing, if I don't take care, it will destroy me. How? Do you learn to face life better and better every day? Now, if you don't work on these challenges and win, what happens is that you cannot grow because you stay behind that mountain for the rest of your life. You fail a test, you take it again. That's how the spiritual realm is. You fail the exam, you take it again. You repeat the year, you take the exam again. You fail, you repeat it. So you see that all who suffer from anger problems, after a fast, that's the time people annoy you most. Then you break the Ten Commandments again. Then you say, ah, you people, you have bad. The way I went to God and fasted. No, that's it. So, my submission is this. The goal of spiritual growth is to be like Jesus. Until you are like Jesus, you are not where you should be. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. It says the disciple is not above his teacher. If he is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. Amen. Heavenly Father, your desire is that we will grow. We will grow spiritually. We will grow in understanding. We will grow in the things of the kingdom of God. We will grow daily. We will grow into Christ likeness. We will be transformed. We will be shaped. We will be built to become more and more like Jesus. Father, help us. Help us to build the habits of righteousness. Help us to to, to have the mindset of Christ-likeness. Help us to daily work alongside with the power of the Holy Spirit and His anointing so that we can be all that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. Oh, I can see the love in your...
follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.